Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy, the show that talks 100% LA Galaxy soccer. We're glad you could join us. Now it's time to sit back and relax as your hosts navigate through the twisting, turning, but never boring world the five-time MLS Cup champion, LA Galaxy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guessman, coming to you on Thursday, July 16th. The LA Galaxy getting ready for the East Coast El Trafico, or the Faux Trafico, as I've been calling it. Uh, a game against LAFC coming up this Saturday. We're, of course, going to get you ready for that game and update you all the LA Galaxy news in between. Uh, a little Robbie Keane talk, perhaps. And there's something called monkey knife fight. And I, yeah, that's we're just going to stick with that. Uh, also, some uh, some conference standings, some other things that we're going to talk about as the LA Galaxy get ready for basically what needs to be some points against LAFC to help me do all that, Eric. The Portuguese Hammer Vieira is back. Eric, how's it going, buddy? It's going all right. I'm actually surprised at how good I'm feeling. If you would have talked to me on uh, Monday night, I, I would have told you that I don't ever want to talk about the LA Galaxy again. But, you know, time heals all things. So a couple days passed, feeling a little bit bound. Looking forward to this Saturday. Yeah, I, I, I could imagine that. Uh, uh, it, yeah, yeah, it, it definitely seems like it was one of those things where um, if you looked at it right afterwards, if you paid attention to what was going on, you know, right after that game, you were in a different mood than perhaps you would have been, you know, on Tuesday night. Um, I know I felt after after discussing it with Kevin and I went in with a rather pessimistic sort of look on that. Uh, now, now all of a sudden I say, okay, there were some positives in there. There were some things to be sort of looked at and say, okay, you can build on that. But I mean, you know, we saw your grading the galaxy. Um, for the most part, people gave you a passing grade on that. They didn't decide to, uh, to cancel you, which was, you know, Hey, 50, 50 chance right now. So I, I was, I, I was going to say, I know you were hoping for the, for the opposite with the, with the scheduled tweets. Uh, but yeah, I, I was actually surprised that uh, you know, I felt like I, I I got most of them right. I have been told that uh, I'm maybe not defense and goalkeeper friendly, which is fair. Uh, that's not my background. So I'm always going to skew uh, a little bit more in that direction. That's kind of the unfortunate part uh, with goalkeepers and, and defenders. You have very few opportunities to make things right. So if you make those mistakes, unfortunately, it's going to be a little more, more glaring, where if you make a lot of mistakes and then uh, make up for it at the end, like one Javier Hernandez, uh, you maybe get a little bit more grace than maybe the defender. So Totally fair criticism, but I think what helped writing that article and going back and looking at the stats and rewatching the game, uh, again, I, I did feel better after looking th through it a second time and you say, you know what, the Galaxy really sh should have walked away with some points there. It's too bad they didn't, uh, and, and t it's, it's going to sound funny saying this, they deserve the result they got, but they also could have easily walked away with more points and that would have been fair as well. Yeah, that's sort of Guillermo thing, right? Guillermo likes to say this a lot is, you know, we didn't deserve to lose. It's like, yeah. Well, that's not what it says on the scoreboard. It part of me is yeah. that way. It's like, you know, for the LA Galaxy. So um, I remember the EPL, I, I think last season sort of did like the luckiest teams and the, the most unluckiest teams. And they tried to quantify that. And sometimes I wonder if the Galaxy are just unlucky. <laughs> um, but at the same time, if you're good, you don't have to worry about being unlucky. Um, yep, and so they're not good. They're not good. They're they're not FC Cincinnati bad, and even though FC Cincinnati beat Atlanta United in a, uh, a weird... Did, some of these games are so... Re don't even turn on the TV until the second half for it's most the, of these. That's, it's that's, the 6 a.m. games. It's the 6 yeah, a.m. games as well. Those, those, are, those seem to be the wacky ones. And then the late night games, the late, late games also uh, tend to get wacky. That San Jose... Uh, 
who did San Jose play? I don't. I even forgot who they were uh, playing. But that that finish. Uh, uh, Vancouver. Vancouver. They played Van- Vancouver. Right? Vancouver. Yes, the Whitecaps. That's correct because the the Whitecaps came out to a lead. So that that had a crazy finish as well. So this tournament has kind of been the bizarro MLS tournament. Uh, so you're you're right in the. In in one respect, they don't bother watching until the second half. But at the same time, uh, it's it's must watch TV because it is it is on brand MLS. Uh, everything that you hate about it or love about it, uh, it's it's giving you that. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's something to all this as well. When you sit there and you say, um, you know, there's there tends to be people who watch Major League Soccer and sort who sort of go through Major League Soccer. Um, they tend to vilify the defending all the time. And listen, I'm not saying the defending is is great. Um, I'm not even saying the defending is good. It's not. Uh, it's Major League Soccer. Uh, it's you know somewhere between mediocre and and poor. But at the same time, some of the passes that are being made and some of the offensive things that are being done are good offensive moves and it's not always a defender's fault. I mean, every goal is a defender's fault, but it's not all you, you can, you can vary those degrees. And I think that, you know, if you see Real Madrid go out there and they beat a team and it's five to one and you're like, Oh wow, they're just so good. Whereas in, you know, if the, if the LA galaxy go out and beat somebody five to one, they're like, wow, the defending is, it's just really bad. You know, it's it's that we, we don't give enough credit, I think to the offense and plus, MLS is so skewed towards offense in terms of the money that they spend on it. You yeah. would expect that the defense is horrible compared to what they're spending on the offense. Yeah, like you you don't have those uh the DP signings at defense. You're just you're just not seeing them as likely as you see them on offense. And to that point, one of my favorite follows on Twitter is actually Jimmy Conrad. Uh if you follow him and I know he he's got a kind of his own personality that uh pe- people again have their own thoughts on, but something that I love that he does is he'll take uh, clips from Bundesliga, clip, clips from the Premier League, and he'll say, "But if this were MLS, what would you say?" But he points out that this this is stuff that's happening all over the world. The league, uh, the the league in the United States is not ten times worse than everywhere else. Like you said, the the budgets and the the players that that are being signed skew offensively. So you're going to see some of that because the the money is not being thrown that behind the defenders. Uh, but so if you're if you're not following Jimmy Conrad, that's a good follow because he'll highlight that in other leagues as well. It's not just here. Yeah, yeah, it, it is sort of that. Now, having said that, I thought that Rolf Felcher was extremely poor. Uh, I thought that Emiliano uh, and Sua was not great, and I think that People Gonzalez continues to prove that he's not a starter for this team, which is which is a little scary in terms of how much we think that Guillermo Barrascoleto trusts him. Um, and I think from that team as well, and you can go back to listen on Monday night, from all of that, I think you can look at Guillermo Barrascoleto and say, you know, that he's missing things um, and the fact that he's missing things and the fact that he is, you know, uh, sort of uh, not able to adjust. And, you know, you pointed out, Eric, you had the stat of the entire tournament so far, which is, you know, get, get the only team so far. And I think it still holds the only team so far still to holds. only make two subs. Yeah. Is, is the LA galaxy is Gamera Barrescoloto. You can use five subs and look at the two subs that he brought in. As well, which was uh, Gordon Wild and Emil Cuello, right? Uh, um, and so it's it's one of those things that you look at and you say, okay, um, you know, this is this is how it works, and this is how we do it, um, and everything else in between. It's like you, you got to figure out a way to make five subs or four subs, um, and it was all sort of uh, sort of crazy. So anyway, that's sort of yeah. what we and- had. Um, yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah. And, and so the reason why I highlight is that is because we even made a joke about it on Thursday. We, we said, what's the over under on subs now that the allowance is five. And you said three as a joke. And I said, well, I, it's going to be exactly three because he doesn't use all the subs and he went under, which was, which, which was incredible. And so, uh, the, the frustrating part is again, they're still the only team to only use two subs. The other lowest number is three subs. And that was only used on two other occasions. So you're seeing teams use five subs for most of these games. Sometimes they'll use four very rare occasion. They'll use three, but they were a huge outlier to use two. And when you see, uh, Chicharito, when he went to go take the penalty, he was drenched in sweat in the 11th minute. So you, you know that the weather is a factor. And so you have to game plan for that and you have to have, you know, four or five players, uh, in your mind that you're able to slot in. I mean, there's a reason why you have, uh, you have these benches, you need to slot these players in. Uh, and if, if you don't trust them, then that's one thing. Uh, but that's a bad sign. But if you do trust them and you're not utilizing, that's a bad sign as well. So both of the answers were wrong, <laughs> regardless of, of what whatever you think the symptom was. So that that, that was the con- the concerning part of that stat to me. Yeah, the uh, the other part of that is um, that it seems to have thrown Guillermo Bercicoloto under more of a microscope. Um, and while the LA Galaxy may be using this tournament to figure things out, Eric, which is sort of seems to be and almost as stated as GBS's goal is to figure some things out. And maybe he, he did certainly with a if you look at a, um, you know, uh, a a four four two in a way. Right. You know, stacking to, stacking forwards with um, Chicharito and Pavone, although Pavone's not really playing Pavone's playing a free role, which is, yeah. by the way, so smart. That's the if you want to talk about the one thing that I enjoyed about the whole <laughs> formation thing, because, yeah, I, I didn't think it was great is is that giving Pavone sort of that free role. So anyway, um, what we want to do, though, is uh, before we dive too much into the L.A. Galaxy and before we get too lost in uh, preparing for the El Trafico is we want to go ahead and bring on a special guest. Um, and I believe I have all this correct. So, uh, please welcome to the show, Mr. John Jones, the third, uh, East from the East side riders. Uh, John, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. All right, good. We, we, we got you. We know you're at a, at an event right now too. So, uh, we appreciate you stopping and, and talking to us. Uh, just for a couple minutes here. Um, but one, thank you for calling in. We really appreciate it. Uh, and number two, um, tell us a little bit, bit about what you guys have on right now with the LA Galaxy and what um, LA Galaxy fans uh, need to know about Eastside. Right. So um, right now we are doing um, a lot of community events with the LA Galaxy and LA Galaxy Foundation. Um, we are out feeding the community of Watts every, uh, every day. Um, the Galaxy Foundation and the LA Galaxy, along with Steve uh, Hartman, uh, El Gato, and Kobe Jones, um, is out here. And we are trying to, um, to just feed folks. And we did a Taco Tuesday um, this past week with, um, with a bunch of supporters from the LA Galaxy. And we fed over 800 people. Every day, our organization is here in the community trying to uh, feed folks. We do breakfast and lunch, and we're feeding um, um, thousands of people a week. And uh, we're just happy to partner with LA Galaxy to get more people not only in our community, but um, to get folks to understand that there's a a very high need um, in this community that, that we serve. 
Hey, hey John, tell me real quick, um, how did how did Eastside Riders Bike Club sort of come about, and and why do you think uh, there was a, a, a hole for this type of uh, of uh, community organization? So Eastside Riders started in uh, 2008. Uh, my father came to me and wanted to start a bike club, and and I laughed at him, and I told him that uh, that I wasn't into cycling. And um, not too long after that, I got laid off of my job. And I went back to him and said, um, um, what is this that you talk about uh, cycling? And uh, he said he wanted to have a bike and sit in the park and have barbecues. And I kind of laughed at that again and told him, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, my mom, when we was younger, um, she always fed um, people. She had, she had uh, dinners in the front yard for our um, houseless folks. She had uh, backpack giveaways for kids in our front yard. And she always wanted to give back. And I told my dad that I think it would be important if we uh, incorporated those things into this bike club. We can get more people out cycling for good health, and we can um, give back to the community at the same time. We can figure out ways to give back to the com community. And uh, we knew that that need was here in the, in the community of Watts and uh, Willowbrook. And uh, we just kept kept going at it. People laughed at us when we first started, and now people look to us to, for ideas. Um, just like this event that we hear today um, with LA County Parks and Rec, to look for us for ideas to do things. Uh, we, we, we've shown that we are a good partner and that, and that we have great ideas that, that people just need to help us uh, develop. Awesome. Thanks, John. So you, you talked about how the group started and some of the outreach that you've been doing with providing meals, which is great. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what our, what our listeners can expect uh, about the bike ride that's happening this Saturday in, in conjunction with the LA Galaxy? So first, we want to just let everybody know that um, this is a fun ride. It'd be a lot funner if we wasn't dealing with a pandemic. Um, but we want to make sure that, that people come out, um, show your Galaxy pride, uh, bring out all those all those two horns that you guys have when you come out here. Um, but we want to make sure folks have their mask on and you're staying with your group of folks that 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 you know. Um, stay in those groups. Um, it'll still be fun. We'll still figure out how we can have fun together. But if you come out with the group of folks that's in your family and the group of folks that you normally hang out with, um, we want you to stay in those groups. Our team will make sure you get to and from um, watch um, to Carson and back um, safely. Um, we, we can expect, you know, nothing but fun and people to get to know each other. Um, our community getting introduced to another community that the Galaxy has afforded us to come into basically their house and, um, and, and get to know more folks. That's that's awesome. I, I really love all that that's going on. Um, everybody, if you want to, you can go to ESRBC dot org just basically east, east side riders bike club dot org uh, you can go there um you can donate you can uh you can find out how you can become a member uh they have some cool merch there as well that you can also buy that i'm sure will help them out and i'm always up for another shirt so i'll probably be shopping there here a little bit later um so we'll do that as well but um you know john this seems like a, a great organization is there anything else that you know we can do um and uh from our side for to help you in this platform you know, just continue to 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 want to help us. Let's continue to partner together and get more folks not only on not only on bikes and cycling, but to serve their communities. If we can get more people to do things like this in the communities that they live in, or uh, um, a community that's disadvantaged that's close to them, 
then um, we can help little by little um, change, you know, how people look at these disadvantaged communities. The other part is um, just this right now we're, we're raising money for a lot of a bunch of stuff we're doing. But of course, um, all of the, the eleteros, eleteros that's out here in the community, um, you know, these guys are working hard in their communities and um, these cowards keep coming out here and, and, and causing harm to them. And for the past couple of days, whenever me and my friends, we see uh, these hardworking folks down the street, we basically was issued a challenge and we go out and we buy out their carts. We have this one lady that we're going to bless on Saturday before the ride. We're going to pay her rent for the month. We're going we're gonna to pay her bills for the month just to give her a couple of days off. And um, if anything, you know, your fans, the people that's coming on the ride, they want to bring something, money, whatever the case might be, to help this lady um, have some time off and deal with her husband that has cancer. Um, it'll be greatly appreciated. We'll do a little collection before the ride. We have her coming before we take off. We're going to bless her with whatever that is. And hopefully we can get the money to give her a, a couple of days off. That's 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 amazing. And not only do they work hard, but they create they create some tasty treats as well. So um, there's some really great stuff out there. Uh, and so, uh, again, for all the L.A. Galaxy fans who are headed out in that direction, uh, you can reach out to your season ticket member, uh, your your season ticket rep, and they will help you uh, register for this event. I think the deadline is on Friday at 8 p.m. in order to register. Um, but I'm sure uh, John would appreciate it if you get out there, the Eastside Riders Bike Club. John, thank you very much for coming on. We really appreciate it. And we'll do our best to throw uh, anybody who has any questions your direction. Follow these guys on Instagram. Go to the website, donate, do all that stuff. Thanks again, John. Eastside Riders, corner of the galaxy, LA Galaxy, LA Galaxy Foundation. We appreciate you guys, and we look forward to doing more for years and years to come. Awesome, John. Thanks so much. Thanks, John. All right. Man, what a great event sort of thing. And I know That's the awesome. audio is a little crazy there, but like, you know, John's literally at the park as we're talking. Yeah. And, and you know, he, they got the speakers in the back. They're raising money right then. Yeah, I think that, that I didn't want to make light of it because he was bringing up some some serious, uh, you know, they're raising money for serious issues and serious things. But uh, I think that's the first time that Rick James has been featured in the background of this show. So this Absolutely. is a milestone moment. <laughs> and so j just what, what he was sharing and and why we wanted uh, Eastside writers, you know, I've been seeing them pop up with what they're feeding and their collaboration with the LA Galaxy. So I wanted to have uh, John on to tell a little bit more. If you go to their, their website, esrbc.org, uh, they have a, a little quick little, they call it a mini doc, just a five minute YouTube video gives you a history about the organization, how they get started. There's a donate button there. You saw all the great things they're doing. They're constantly putting on events. That story with the Iloteros, we didn't even know about that, but that's just something, uh, you know, I'm glad he brought that up. I almost got emotional just because that's something that's happening right now. And if, if I can just get on, on my soapbox a little bit, John is, is doing it. There's all this talk about voting and, and you know, and elections and all these things. And you can scream uh, at your politician uh, on Twitter uh, into the void as much as you want, but where you're going to make things happen is in your own community, in your own city, like John is doing in his own city of Watts, giving back directly to his people, uh, you know, finding your local sc school board, running, you know, and helping your local government, helping your local communities. That's where change starts. And, to, you know, he's just a shining example of that. So I'm glad he was able to come on, share his message, share, share what he's doing. And if you're able to, to make it out to the ride and show him some love uh, and head to the website and give some donations, that, that'd be awesome as well. It just seems like awesome dude. And, and they're doing some great work. So, you know, you love to see this type of collaboration uh, with the LA galaxy.
Yeah, it's great. That story about his dad uh, sort of coming to him and said, I want to do a bike club. And he's sort of like, nah, I'm good. You know, <laughs> I don't need that. That's not my thing. And then, then he got laid off. And as he comes back, he's like, well, why do you want to do this? You know, that's a really important thing. Uh, it, by the way, on the website, you go, it's John Jones Jr. is his father. He's John Jones the third. Um, so a little family affair there and a whole bunch of really awesome people who are doing some great stuff. And like I said they fed 800 people, I think, on Tuesday. Um, and I think they're planning on doing some more of that with the L.A. Galaxy. I know Angel City Brigade was out there. Um, I don't know anymore the victoria block was out there but they, they, you know i'm sure that they were um out there feeding people great stuff again esrbc.org uh, i will absolutely go buy a, a t-shirt and probably uh, get a donation in there as well so i know some of our listeners in the chat room have already donated so i encourage you and i challenge you to go to esrbc.org and donate uh, this is something that helps around the community, around uh, the LA Galaxy, and around Southern California. And uh, John seems like he has some stuff figured out there in terms of what he's doing. He seems pretty uh, pretty focused on it. So I'm glad we could have him on. All right, can, should, should, can we shift gears to stuff that doesn't matter now and still make it somehow like <laughs> feel like it matters? Yeah, can, can we try to do that, that? You know, after that interview, that really puts things in perspective. We're really worried about a you know tournament going on in Orlando, but you know. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> We're worried about a rigged tournament or in Orlando that had a draw that didn't matter because two teams dropped out and they placed one team. And wow, yeah, it puts everything in perspective. Well, if you're talking about fantasy dreams and things that shouldn't matter but absolutely do, uh, there was a little interview over the uh, over the last couple of days that placed a former LA Galaxy player. Uh, in fact, I shouldn't just say player. I should say former LA Galaxy <laughs> legend. Uh, or current go. LA Galaxy legend, quite honestly. Um, however we want to qualify it, Robbie Keane was doing an interview uh, and he was asked about the LA Galaxy. And basically there was a question. It was, hey, Robbie, do you think you could ever see yourself managing the Galaxy? Robbie didn't hesitate. He didn't stop. He didn't think. He was like, absolutely. I love the club. I love the team. I love what they did there. And I would love to be a manager there. So now the rumors about Robbie Keane coming to manage the LA Galaxy shift into high gear, especially as Guillermo Barrascoloto is technically on the hot seat. You can say it's not warm, but it's warm. It's not, maybe not be hot yet, but it's getting warmer. Uh, and results in this tournament, while I don't think they matter, Eric, I think it could apply more pressure knowing that Robbie Keane is sitting there saying, just let me know. I mean, 1300 bucks if Uncle Phil doesn't even want to kick in the flight. 1300 bucks gets him <laughs> from, you know, Ireland to uh, Dublin to to Orlando. So I'm just I'm just saying I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, and and timing is everything uh with this because, you know, obviously with how close he is to being retired, you know, you need to put in a little bit of time, get your reps. Uh, he's been an assistant coach, I believe, at Middlesbrough. Uh, he's been working with the Irish national team. Uh, so he's kind of cutting his teeth. And when you look at starting ground for managers, MLS is kind of really that zone. I mean, you saw uh, uh, Patrick Vieira, you know, get get a, a start uh, in New York City. You're seeing Thierry Henry, even though he was at a bigger club like Monaco previously. Uh, you, you see Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard. These are all players who kind of work their way up uh, to coaching positions, and they came through the league. So uh, Robbie Keane is someone who I could picture uh, getting an opportunity, maybe one of his first opportunities to be a head coach 
would be the LA Galaxy. It makes perfect sense, uh, you know, given his status with the club, his knowledge of the game, uh, how intelligent of a player he was, and just his what appear to be his aspirations now post-retirement. Uh, it just seems like a great fit. So if you can time this just right, I know we had uh, the Beckham unveiling with the statue. If you can work on the Robbie Keane statue, get that going, unveil the statue, announce him as coach, and uh, and everything will be, be all gravy in the, in the next two or three years, uh, maybe sooner, depending on how things go. I was going to say, um, can you can you have a coach who has a statue out front for his playing time? And then, you know, yeah. it, it can't, can't you just put Bruce's statue up next? Isn't that the next one that sort of needs? And then you can put Robbie Keane and then Robbie Keane's the manager. And then whenever he wins multiple MLS Cups and, you know, manages the team into into the, the uh, FIFA Club World Cup and wins that and, you know, then somehow <laughs> takes on, you know, Liverpool and, and beats them. Whenever that all happens, then you could build the statue for, for Robbie Keane. I don't know if you need to need to it but it's an interesting interesting proposition i'll tell you this that i feel like yes obviously it makes sense and and one of the reasons and, and somebody stated this and it's it's something i believe as well is that really good gifted players like david beckham like cristiano ronaldo like um you know christian pavone probably make really crappy coaches um, it was one of the reasons that uh, Jack Nicholas. This is going to be a golf analogy, so I'll lose half the listenership on this one as well. well. <laughs> but it's one, one. It's one of the reasons that Jack Nicholas um, designs golf courses, and you go play them, and they're so hard because Jack Nicholas thinks everybody plays like Jack Nicholas, right? It's the same thing as like you know people talked about Kobe Bryant possibly being you know a, a Lakers coach or something like that, but Kobe was so gifted and worked so hard, he would expect that from everybody. It probably wouldn't work out well because you know Michael Jordan. Why Michael Jordan be a great coach? Probably not because Michael Jordan's a freak of nature, right? And so he's like, why isn't everybody yeah. a freak of nature? There's there's this understanding. That's why usually it's goalkeepers or defenders or guys who just sort of you know sit back and can watch everything unfold around them and understand how the game plays that usually make the best coaches. But with Robbie Keane, he wasn't a freak of nature. He was he was just a hard worker. Uh, he did some crazy things, but most of that, I don't feel like he had like this crazy ability to be able to do things. I mean, you know, Zlatan does crazy, stupid stuff. Zlatan would not yeah. make a good coach. Uh, Robbie <laughs> Keane does things, but you know it's because he worked really hard and he sort of yeah. sits there and goes, listen, I worked hard. You can work hard too. And if you work hard, you can play like me. And and that yeah, seems to I, be something that could translate. I, I think it's this is going to sound like an insult, but it's not an insult. Which is when you look at someone like Zlatan, you can tell that there there are gifts handed by God that just there there's a little bit of magic there. Uh, and with Robbie Keane, he could probably do a lot of those things, but you can tell it's maybe not innate. And there was there was like you said that work ethic that went to it. The basketball analogy that that first and foremost to me is Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson is someone who was a, a, role, a bit of a role player when he played. He understood how you needed to make connections with the bench players and it wasn't all about the superstars and that's what made him a great coach is because he was able to connect with every player at every role that they played. And that's what made him great. It's not, like you said, Michael Jordan's magic Johnson's, those aren't always the best, the best coaches. It happens, but it's very rare occasion occasion. So Robbie Keane, someone who, uh, you know, maybe has a history of, of getting into his teammates and expecting a lot out of it, but he's also someone who is able to recognize every level of the game. And I, you just see with his coaching path that he's on, uh, the levels that he's coaching at, he, he's able to get a lot of good experience and kind of see how it works. With your Kobe analogy, I think with his kids and reaching out, he kind of changed a little bit you know, later in, in his life. And so you were starting to see a more nurturing side of him that maybe you didn't see as a player. So that's something that you can develop as well. Do, do you think, I mean, 
just trying to like look at the different coaches and trying to figure out, you know, sort of does that fit the mold? And and by the way, chat room says there was some article that said Kobe may have made a, a great coach. He could have. Um, there was a different sort of way he went about things. He was ridiculously yeah. gifted and talented, but he worked really hard, harder than anybody. Um, and that's why he eventually was so much better than everybody. Yeah. Uh, but what about Zidane? I mean, you look at a guy like Zidane, yeah. who was an outstanding, ridiculously player year, good yeah. player. Yeah, um, that's why I didn't say always. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't always make sense. We're yeah. not hundred yeah. percent on this, but um, yeah. But for me, Robbie Keane. I mean, you know, we were joking about this. What? three weeks ago where we're like, oh, if Robbie Keane came and coached LA Galaxy 2 with Marcelo Sarvas and Juninho and, you know, those guys are all down there on the on the two side and I'm like, we'd stop being an LA Galaxy podcast, we'd start being a two <laughs> podcast, right? We just dropped down a, a division for that um, to take a, take a glance. The, the, everybody wants to know if this is realistic. I mean, that's that's really, could this happen? This is more in the, this is more in the realm of possibility than almost any rumor you've ever heard. I'm not saying it's happening. Yeah. I'm just saying that if you want it to make sense, this can make sense easily. It makes yeah. sense 100%. It makes sense all day. And there's never a time where Robbie Keane would be linked to the LA Galaxy where it wouldn't make sense unless like Bruce Arena came back and was like the head coach. And then even then I'd be like, well, Robbie would be assistant and then Bruce would be the GM. And then, you know, you could sort Moving of go up. around. Yeah, and, and sort well, of look at that. So, no. And, and to, your, to your point, like, you, you, you hear the Messi rumor every year. You hear the Ronaldo rumor every year. And there's no fact base in that it's just a rumor with Keen, there's a connection to the club and he's you know he he's on record as saying so and he's scored goals for the club and he's he's in the in the record book so it's not a stretch whenever you have situations like that i uh, i know we brought up statues uh, i think it's Kenny Daglish at Liverpool had a statue as a player and then went back to coach as well so it's not it's not unprecedented it is possible all right, so so that's uh, that's one of those things. So uh, if you're if you're hoping for you know Robbie Keane, um, so you sort of have to play you know president here for a second. You got to reach out to Robbie Keane and you got to say, hey Robbie, listen, we love you, man. <laughs> and if there's ever you know you have to you have to immediately phone. reach out, right? Yeah, you have to pick up the phone. You're like, hey Robbie, hey yeah, it's Chris Klein. Hey yeah, how are you doing? How's the wife? Everybody good? Kids are good? All right, good. Um, so yeah, listen, we love you. And of course, we'd love to have you at the LA Galaxy. And I want you to know that if there's a coaching open, a coaching vacancy coming up, and, and I'm not saying there is, but if the, when there's always going to be one, I'm going to give you a call, and I'd hope that you'd pick up the phone. And I'd like you to call me anytime that you th you're thinking about the LA Galaxy. And if you have suggestions about the LA Galaxy, I want you to just text me. You can you have my text. Just text me. Let me know what's going on. And uh, yeah, whatever you need, we'll, we'll give to you. That type of thing. You have to be setting the stage for that eventually to happen, um, regardless of who the GM is and regardless of any of those things. In my mind, that has to be something that you're, you're laying the tracks for. Even if it happens 10 years down the road, you need to be laying the tracks for it right now. That's that's the kicker. Is I don't think this is something fans should be expecting soon, but it, the connection is there. And it, it could definitely be something as, as a possibility on the line. All right. See, th this is uh, going to be a fun let's... show. Yeah? You, you think so? <laughs> why, well, we're not why to do the, you say that? the meat of it yet. Well, we've had a good oh, time. Okay. We, we good. Feel, feel good about feeding the community. Robbie Keane's going to coach the Galaxy. I mean, th this is all positive. W when's it going to so, turn? So far, <laughs> yeah, so far, well... I mean, I don't know where this next one, this next one definitely takes us further into fantasy. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that. Um, today, um, announced uh, by AEG, uh, which is, this is, I had to read this one seven times, so don't, don't be yelling at me. But AEG and a company called Monkey 
knife fight. Never heard of him before in my entire life. Told Hammer about him. Hammer goes, that's not a real thing. Looked him up, says, yes, it is a real thing. So it is a uh, fantasy sports uh, company. Basically, you know, FanDuel, like in that same sort of vein of operation. So AEG and Monkey Knife Fight have entered into a cage of doom for... It just seems like it's like some wrestling match. I can't get <laughs> into, into a wide-ranging partnership for the LA Galaxy, LA Kings, and the Ontario Reign. Basically, uh, going to be the official fantasy sports partner of the LA Kings and the LA Galaxy, um, and will be a partner of some sort uh, with the Ontario Reign as well. So all AEG-controlled uh, commodities, and they have entered into um, uh, a partnership here with Monkey Knife Fight, uh, ranked as the third largest daily fantasy sports company. Uh, their award-winning Fastest growing gaming platform in North America. Um, this is this is a broader thing really to talk about because trying to talk about specifics on this seems sort of useless. But the broader thing is that gaming slash gambling is making a bigger and bigger impact on Major League Soccer. We knew that whenever uh, you know the sports books were basically allowed every, anywhere inside the United States. Um, we've seen that, and now we're starting to see it on the MLS website where they're actually giving um, odds. Um, directly on the MLS website, you go to a game, it'll tell you, you know, the Galaxy are plus 350, LAFC is minus 150. Um, you know, so you're getting the game spread basically for every single game, and that's on the league's official site. So gambling is coming, uh, coming to a sport near you uh, very soon. And I don't know if you've ever been to uh, to the UK or anywhere abroad, really. Um, whenever I went to a Chelsea game, uh, I saw Chelsea in Newcastle, but they have betting stands inside the stadium, like right next to your, where you would get your your hot dog, which I don't know if they sell hot dogs. I didn't get any concessions. I was there for the game. Um, but they they had that right there, and uh, right next to it was, you know, your betting parlor, and there were the lines. Who's going to score the first goal? Who's going to win? You know, all that stuff. It was right there. Your prop bets were ready to go, and it was inside the stadium, and I feel like that's coming here to, to Major League Soccer. I was going to say, you keep saying it's coming. I think it's here. I think with sports betting, you know, with laws that have passed, basically making a thing uh, with FanDuel and, and, and those type of uh, gaming websites, as they're called, but they're really gambling websites. You, you know, you give your, your credit card number and, and you pick your, set your lineups and you try to win some money. That, it's, it's gambling. It is what it is. And I think you are just going to start seeing a, a lot more of that uh, as it becomes more prominent. So if it brings, you know, your, your casual fan and brings them in and creates some interest. We found that uh, the fantasy sports boom has gotten people into sports that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise been that into. I mean, I'm not a huge NFL guy, uh, but at the same time, I'm in a bunch of fantasy leagues and I'm going to keep up and try to uh, and try to make things happen and 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 work have a way to hang out with your friends. So you can have that same thing if if that's created in MLS and you you say, well, the Galaxy has this partnership. You can you can bring in some casual fans who may not have been there before uh, and have some fun with it. So there is a positive to it uh you, you always have to argue both sides the one danger whenever you bring in betting and gambling into things is there are things that can go sideways you mentioned the live betting that happens uh in the uk i know there were some some instances where you know they had people waiting in the stadium who were looking for sites that were maybe on a 10 second delay so they can live bet when goals happen so there are some controversies and uh some scandals that can happen when you introduce gambling and money because you know, people will do whatever they need to do uh, to tr to try to earn some money. So, you know, just precautions need to be taken. But there are a lot of positives that come with this as well. It's not all it's not always a bad thing. I read a book about match fixing, which was super interesting. I, ex I think everybody should read about match fixing because it can be so subtle 
that it could be really hard to sort of figure out that stuff. So um, just some, some interesting things. Uh, you know, it's uh, the owner there is Bill Asher, formerly worked with Playboy. Um, and basically, you know, it's it's got a whole bunch of money behind it, really. That's what you should know. Um, I think they also had to deal with the uh, the Wildcats of the XFL, the L.A. Wildcats. Remember when that was a thing? That feels like it was like seven oh, years ago. And if you know, that's, that was, that's too wasn't bad. That fun? They, they had some moment, they had some momentum going too. I was excited to go to my first XFL game at a uh, Dignity Health Sports Park. So I was disappointed. Never got to see that come to fruition. Yeah, it was uh, it was one of those. It was another missed opportunity, I'm telling you. Just so close and yet so far away at the same time. Uh, the other big sort of announcement the LA Galaxy made, and this was in, in and I was going to say in an alliance. It's literally called The Alliance. Um, 11 pro sports teams in the greater Los Angeles area unite as allies in a new collaboration, The Alliance Los Angeles, uh, to utilize sports for social justice. Uh, this is The LA Galaxy. The L.A. Angels of Anaheim, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, the L.A. Clippers, the Los Angeles Dodgers, um, LAFC, Los Angeles Kings, Los Angeles Lakers, Los Angeles Rams, Los Angeles Sparks, uh, and the Play Equity Fund and the L.A. 84 Foundation um, all joining together, basically, uh, to to pull their money, to pull their resources into social change. Um, which is a really interesting large group to put together. Uh, there's a ridiculous amount of money that you could throw behind this if you start adding all this stuff together. Uh, and I, so I think the focus here is to find projects that can and help uh, increase you know, community involvement, social justice, all of these things that are certainly on the forefront of, uh, of everybody's minds right now. And so all of these pro, pro sports teams get together uh, in order to... Um, you know, try and and affect some social change with with sports as sort of the backdrop. So yeah, they're using some of the sports money they have. Some of these billionaires, uh, they're going to use some of them billionaires' monies and, and to affect social change. I, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do and what they pull off because, again, Eric, these the scope on this stuff is is gigantic, and all of these guys have their own, you know, charity charity organizations. Everybody knows the LA Galaxy have their foundation, which always does great jobs. I mean, donates ridiculous amounts of money usually over a million dollars a year goes out into schools and into the communities surrounding so um just a really interesting sort of idea to put together i'm just not sure what to expect from it yet um that's sort of the big thing so i i'm i'm, yeah. I'm cautious about it it's like this sounds really interesting but i want to see all of you get together and agree on something <laughs> and get something done before i'm like really jumping up and down on this i was gonna say we can't get two co-hosts together on this show and agree uh, on format sometimes. So getting 11 different organizations behind it, uh, I could, I could see where the, the hesitation may be, but the, the thing that I take away from it is you always see some connections between some area sports teams. Like you have the AEG connection with the Kings and with the galaxy, uh, and to the Lakers to a lesser extent. Um, and then, but that doesn't include everyone here. Every, every local sports team is part of this uh, coalition or, or alliance. So that's what makes it interesting to me is everyone's bought in. And I think that's important because if you're going to uh, impact change in the community and you're going to influence uh, young people to get involved in a social justice movement, uh, wh who do they follow? Wh you know, what do we have? We have a sports uh, LA Galaxy themed podcast. They idolize uh, these sports teams who have their, their heroes on them. So when you have the organization's dipping in dipping their toes in these waters uh to create change for po for positivity that that can be a good thing so that's what i'm looking forward to it i actually uh you know 
saw that they're having a Zoom call where they're going to go a little bit more in depth. So <laughs> maybe we can get on the Zoom call and find out uh, what exactly their their mission statement is and what they're going to do moving forward. But but I, I like the idea and the concept of not having factions and especially given that we're in a rivalry week this week is bringing everyone together regardless of which team you support and you're all supporting uh, moving in the same direction, so to speak. So that's positive. We'll see where it lands. Uh, but the thought behind it, I think, is is great. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, again, let's see what they can pull off. So uh, we'll keep you updated on any of that stuff that comes through. Uh, conference standings, LA Galaxy. Uh, remember, first three group games count for conference play. Uh, count as the regular this season. Is, this is where it turned. I, I was wondering when it was going to go bad. This is where it starts and, to go bad. That was You tell everybody just turn it off now. You think that's <laughs> a, it would be bad? No, of course not. Because I know that there's an epic game preview coming up, and I'm going to oh, stick around is. for it, even if I'm going to be a pessimistic Nancy for the rest of the night, okay? Uh, this Karen over here will be pessimistic. <laughs> Don't expect happy things coming out of my mouth uh, for the rest of the night, uh, but we're going to give it to you real and tell you sort of what to expect as the LA Galaxy come down. Conference standings, regular season, again, being played right now in the first three group games, uh, which is interesting because that means National and FC Dallas aren't getting their three regular season games in, which probably means they have to make those up as they go along. Uh, update, by the way, from the bubble. We should really have music that was sort of like, it's like bubble like bubble music. I don't know. How, I don't know how exactly, but like bubble popping like a bubble music. sound. Yeah, yeah, we need a bubble have sound. You watched, yeah, like, there was a whoop. movie called called home a while ago where everyone kind of traveled in bubbles. So that had like a, a bubbly soundtrack to it. You have to have kids at the right age at the right time to know that movie. And there, there's probably some listeners who know what I'm talking about. Uh, but it's not a classic that hung around, but, uh, <laughs> that was a movie that was very specific to a very specific time frame. Must've missed that one. Just wasn't on my radar. <laughs> apparently. All right. Uh, conference standings as it goes, uh, currently in the Western conference, Minnesota United lead right now, nine points through three games played. They have three wins. Um, so they're, uh, at tops right now, sporting Kansas city in second with six points. Um, they've played two games at this point. Then no, that was points per game. I know how to read that. They played three games as well. Uh, the Colorado Rapids, six points. The Colorado Rapids up there, uh, three games played Portland Timbers, three, uh, six points, three games played real salt Lake, five points, three games played LAFC, five points, three games played, uh, Seattle Sounders, five points, four games played San Jose earthquakes, five points, four games played FC Dallas, four points, two games played, uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps, three points, three games played the Houston Dynamo, two points, three games played and the LA galaxy sitting dead last in the Western conference right now with one point through three games played. Uh, that gives them by the way, a points per game of 0.33 as we're going about right now. Uh, we told you it was the second worst start in franchise history, uh, for the LA galaxy. Uh, and, uh, it, they currently sit on one point through three games only in 1997, where they winless through the first three games that was in the shootout era too. You should have been able to get some points and some of that stuff. Um, <laughs> But uh, there was zero points. I'll tell you right now, in the fourth game of the 1997 season, they won. So if the LA Galaxy don't win, uh, then they will have officially the worst start through four games of any major league or ever of any LA Galaxy team in the in the club's history through 25 years. So uh, yeah, does that mean I saw, much? I, th I saw some, uh, you know, I'm big on uh, LA Galaxy Twitter and, and reading the room. So on Monday night, there was a little bit of chaos. And I saw several tweets uh, mention if we survive 2017, we can survive this. And I just had to point out 
2017 actually had a better start than this. So uh, that yes. that's the concerning part to me is that if this is off to a worse start than they did had in 2017 with Kurtonolfo and the LA Galaxy 2 All-Stars, um, that, that's concerning given the amount of money that went into creating and developing this squad. So hopefully they, they can right the ship at some point. Uh, you have to zero in specifically on Group F for the LA Galaxy. And yes, by the way, they do sit last in Group F. I don't think that should surprise anybody um, as you go through it. Last in Group F. Um, and let's see, it's the Portland Timbers right now who beat the LA Galaxy with the three points through one of those games. Uh, Houston Dynamo and LAFC. So it goes Portland, Houston, LAFC, and LA Galaxy. Uh, that's what the con- that's what the conference, or not the conference, but the group standings. The group. Um, yeah, currently look like uh, if you're looking through Group A right now, Orlando City is tied with the Philadelphia Union with six points in Group A to lead that Group B through. Uh, it looks like two games played for some and one game played for the others. Uh, the San Jose Earthquakes currently at number one spot in Group B. Chicago Fire in second place in that group with three points. Uh, group C is Toronto FC, four points. New England Revolution, three points. Uh, remember, the top two automatically go on to the round of 16. We can talk about the uh, the third-place teams as well. Uh, Real Salt Lake is at the top of Group D with Minnesota, three points and three points. Uh, and then you have Group E, the Columbus Crew, three points. Uh, New, England, or New York Red Bulls, three points. FC Cincinnati, three points. Atlanta United, adios. Um, they got, it looks like they, they, they lost. I think they're out. I'm pretty sure they got eliminated today. Not quite. They still have a chance. Come on. Because every, because everyone else has three points. I mean, it it would have to take a little bit of a miracle. And I think, uh, whatever happens in this crew Red Bulls game will have an impact on it, but it's, they're not technically out of it just yet. Uh, because you know, if they win their last game, get three points and, and get lucky with some, uh, you know, some goal differential, they're, they're not quite out. So that's the positive there. Although the teams that already have three points in that group are sitting in a very good position, given that four out of the six uh, third place teams advance. If you have three points already, even if you have one point already, uh, you're sitting in a good position than the teams who are yet yet to get on the board. Uh, yeah, that's the interesting thing here is, listen, the LA Galaxy really do need to take a point, at least a point. Um, from what happens on you know on Saturday against LAFC, uh, they don't have to technically in terms of mathematics. Uh, and if you lose your first two games and you win your last game and things go your way, you technically could be a third place team uh, that qualifies. And right now, those third place teams that are in the wild card standings is FC Cincinnati, uh, LAFC, DC United, Seattle Sounders, Sporting Kansas City and inner Miami. So you can see that one of the third place teams, Eric is coming from group F and that would be LAFC with current standings. I don't expect it all to finish that way. So that's something to, to sort of understand. I was asking for, for some different stuff today in terms of, well, what are the scenarios? And the bottom line is that the scenarios are so out there up in the air with all the games to be played that nobody's really started to figure out what those scenarios are. Um, it yeah. just doesn't make any sense to try to try to really figure them out. Um, but in terms of the LA galaxy, one point puts them in a much better position to advance uh, than zero points. Zero points is a bit of, uh, of a, a Hail Mary in order to try to get there. It's, yeah, zero points could be the kiss of death. And I think even more than the zero points, I think the result from the Portland-Houston game is going to be something um, that they that 
fans and, and the Galaxy need to keep an eye on because if Houston wins that game, they vault Portland, and Portland already has three points from beating the Galaxy. So even though mathematically they may not be eliminated, if Houston wins and beats Portland the Gal- and the Galaxy lose, they're done. Uh, so what you're hoping for is that Portland essentially wins out the group and then you kind of fight it out with the other two teams for second and third place. You you want to try to split the points there. Uh, the team that you already lost to, you want to see them beat everyone else so those other teams don't make up points against the team that you lost to. So that's the game you really want to keep your eyes on. There's a lot of third place third place scenarios that could happen, especially with you know teams that started late like Chicago and Vancouver who only have one game played when other teams have two there's a lot of tournament left to play and a lot of variables that you probably won't know until match day three so keeping an eye on the portland houston game which is the the encore the the precursor to el trafico on saturday you know keep keep your eyes tuned to that because that's going to have a big impact on the type of result that would benefit the galaxy best three points obviously (laughs) goes without saying is the best case scenario but uh given the form that the galaxy is it has been in and that the rivals have been in uh Three points is maybe hopeful, so you're maybe hoping for some different scenarios, and you want to see how it plays out. And you may be game watching, uh, unfortunately, even though they've only lost one game. You may already be that scenario where you need to watch other results to see if you have a chance. Um, are, are you trying to jump ahead to the preview? That felt like that felt a little previewy. That felt like you were already <sighs> leaning towards. I, that's that's. I'm just saying, I'm the negative I, one on this show. You're the positive <laughs> one. Okay, so I expect you to adjust your attitude accordingly. Uh, as Fair we continue, enough. guess what Let I me get, guess what I get did. Loose. Um, guess what I did because I had just like the smallest amount of little sliver of a time. Um, so one, uh, you can't see this if you're just listening on the podcast, but if you're watching on YouTube, uh, I got the blue paper out. Oh, the blue paper! It's so the blue paper is back just a little bit. So that means I got some game charts and some stuff that I went over. Uh, none of it's too interesting right now. Um, just if you're looking at 2017, 2018, 2019, uh, 2017. As you were saying, Eric, uh, three points through the first three games because they won the third game. So they were there. 2018 had four points through the first three games. 2019 had six points through the first three games. Um, and right now you're sitting on one point through the first three games. So what does it mean? Not much, but I just wanted to sort of put it out there so we understand where everything is. We always try to put things in context, let you know where things are at. When does like a bad start become actually historical, uh, historically relevant? Like that's my whole, everybody's like, well, it's only three games. That's not really much. Like you can't really say that about the team yet. It's like, well, but it's true after three games and it'll be, you know, depending on what the result is, that result is true after four games. It's true after five games. When you get to eight games, is that when you finally feel like, oh, well, it's the first eight games and, you know, now it's historically, they're all historically significant. It's just how much how weight you want to put into all these. And there's certainly time for the LA Galaxy uh, to bounce back. One of the other things I was counting uh, or, or I keep track of is DP minutes and how many how many minutes the deep designated players play. Uh, and so far, it's been pretty good. Designated players have played 72.2% of the total available minutes. Uh, that includes 100% from Javier Hernandez and Christian Pavone uh, and just 16.7% from Jonathan Dos Santos. So, yeah, uh, that's the more the, he's, he's bringing the average down. He's bringing he the is, average and Ramon down. Allison, big time. Yeah. And yeah. Ramon Alessandrini did it, you know, last year, right? There are so, so far in the, like probably the last three years, there has always been a designated player who brought the average down. And that's one of the reasons the LA Galaxy have not had as much success as they probably did. You can't tell me the LA Galaxy wouldn't have been two to three games better with Ramon Alessandrini on the field last year, right? I mean, duh, that makes some sense. It, he, they would have been at least two to three games better and maybe much more than that. Um, so 72.2% is good. 
Um, but it's skewed one because there aren't that many games and uh, two because Jonathan Dos Santos hasn't played. So only 45 minutes so far in 2020. So just sort of keep that on your mind as we go ahead. Uh, LA Galaxy getting ready to come up against LAFC. And then after LAFC, Eric, we all know the last one, uh, the biggest game, really, because you can't count the LAFC game that's on July 18th. You have to count the Houston game that's on my birthday as the biggest game, as far as I'm concerned. So the Houston game could be a very big one. That one's on Thursday, July 23rd, at 5 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. All right. Again, you're supposed yes. to be, I'm supposed to be the positive one, but just the thought of Houston on the final Houston on the, the season finale in the LA galaxy. I mean, it's just bad news all over, but again, I'm going to get excited, going to get in a good mood to get us ready for Saturday. Okay. I just, I, I, I personally want to get to this awesome preview. So I want to make sure that I set the stage correctly for everybody. All right. Um, you know, the only your second dramatic preview of the uh, of the coronavirus sort of era here. So, uh, without much further ado, uh, the hammer himself will now preview the LA Galaxy versus LAFC coming up on July 18th, 7:30 p.m. kickoff time on ESPN and ESPN Deportes. Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and LAFC Reddit boards. Can I please have your attention? I have just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. El Trafico is back. On Saturday, your LA Galaxy take on LOLFC for the first and probably only East Coast El Trafico. In fact, it's been so hot and humid in Orlando, I'm beginning to think that Florida was a bad choice. The loss against Portland left many Galaxy fans in a glass case of emotion, but they will look to bounce back by taking their rivals out to a nice seafood dinner and then never calling them again. Remember who you are, LA Galaxy. You're very important. You have many leather-bound books and your stadium smells of rich mahogany. They've done studies, you know, at 538.com, and bald Bob Bradley's bad boys are expected to win 60% of the time every time. But not this time, not this year, they're not gonna take us down. I don't know what we're yelling about. In fact, I don't even know what this tournament is. All I know is that it feels good to have El Trafico back in our lives. So remember to keep it civil during this rivalry week and stay classy, LA Galaxy fans. Chivas 2.0, go love yourself. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if everybody was prepared for for that to go that crazy uh, for that while there, Hammer. Um, I, I, do you feel okay? Because I feel okay. That that seemed like it took a lot. Okay. It did. It did. All right. In, in some ways, that was the easiest preview I've ever done. But in other ways, uh, you know, a lot of build up to it. Yeah. Yeah. I I understand. Um. And you know, I I, I did appreciate the the LAFC Reddit board throw in there just in case you know they want to post it's gonna a video end up there anyway. seven, seven months later. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna, gonna end say up there it's anyway. gonna, right. If it's gonna end up there anyway, I might as well introduce myself and provide a, a proper greeting. There you go. That's nice. That's very, very, uh, very, very friendshipy of you. Uh, I enjoy that. All right. Uh, LA Galaxy versus LAFC, like we said, coming up on Saturday, 7.30 p.m. ESPN, ESPN Deportes follows the Portland Timbers uh, Houston Dynamo game. Uh, very interesting to sort of see this. Uh, the series with LAFC stands at 2-1-3 and three in favor of the LA Galaxy. Uh, obviously, the first meeting of these two teams was whenever Zlatan Ibrahimovic made his magical debut, a game that will ne- I it's never matched, and I've just decided. That makes me sad sometimes, but it also 
it, it's accurate, and I'm just going to let it go. Um, so, uh, yeah, he, he made his uh, his debut. The LA Galaxy were losing, I think, 3-1 by the time he came on, scored two goals, and then 4-3. Uh, but the real turn in this rivalry, um, and as far as I'm concerned, it's the biggest rivalry the LA Galaxy have, uh, but the biggest turn in this rivalry uh, was uh, that uh, LAFC won the one matchup that was in the playoffs between these two teams. That was just last October 24th when the world seemed, well, it seemed a little more normal than it does now. So 5-3 victory, eight goals scored in that game. So, um, you know, the big sort of thing with this game, Hammer, and everybody's covered it and has talked about it, is there's no Carlos and and there's no Jonathan Dos Santos. Um, I think LAFC has a much stronger team with, you know, not without Carlos Vela, but without Carlos Vela, they have a stronger team than the LA Galaxy do without Jonathan Dos Santos. That's my biggest sort of worry when you look at this, um, is who's going to control the center of the field. And if you watch any of the game with Houston, you, Houston did a good job playing quickly and, and really attacking. Um, and in, in my mind, you look at that and you say, Houston's going to be a tough game at the end. And not only that, but um, LAFC did a good job to come back. Bradley Wright Phillips sort of filling in in, in the Carlos Vela role. I mean... Come on, it's Bradley Wright Phillips. Uh, I one first of all, and we've said this many times, the nicest guy in the world. Whenever he comes around, for, I've, I've met him a couple times on MLS Media Day, um, and he comes around and introduces himself and shakes everybody's hand when he comes in. Just the nicest guy, and and you know, obviously with the New York Red Bulls was just an absolute stone cold killer out there. Whenever it comes to putting goals in the back of the net, uh, he was able to do that for LAFC as well. So I mean, this is this is not an easy match for the LA Galaxy, and it's certainly not the match you want after the performance that you had against Portland. I think you know. I agree that not not to let the absence of Carlos Vela fool us and think that this is going to be a weakened LAFC team. I think Brad Light, Red Phillips, with the history that he has, I understand that being uh, a little hesitant and, and being careful with him. But at the same time, given his in- injury history, he's not the same player. So. BWP isn't someone that worries me as much as uh, as Rossi and Rodriguez, Brian Rodriguez and Diego Rossi. I think they, they wreak havoc on, on the wings. And if you saw uh, what what Blanco was able to do with Portland, just kind of work his way inside and have complete disregard for the LA Galaxy defense, I think these are players that have the ability to do that. So that's what makes me nervous is those wingers uh, coming, coming at the Galaxy and especially at their defense. Uh, that makes me nervous. But we were able to see Houston unlock uh, the LAFC defense. And I think uh, the galaxy with the opportunities they have, they weren't, they weren't able to put them away against Portland, but now understanding the situation, knowing the game environment, Chicharito with now a goal under his belt, maybe they'll be able to unlock the defense and, and get a few goals in there. Uh, every El Trafico prior to this has been an absolute goal fest. So, uh, why not, you know, <laughs> if we've even seen goal vests in this tournament. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it ends. I think we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I, I could, with this being the bizarro MLS tournament, I could see, you know, a five, five game. And I, I could also see all the hype leading up to this San Jose scoring four goals. Columbus is scoring four goals. And then El Trafico is going to be a zero, zero draw. I could see that happening too. <laughs> Just, you know, both teams coming out flat with not knowing what to do without the, uh, the fan environment as well. I mean, uh, Baxter talked about it on Monday, how it's, it just feels different on the inside and the game. The players notice the difference without the fans. I think part of what has made these games special is the atmosphere. So without that, are we going to see um, the rivalry between these two teams? Do they feel that um, 
are they going to carry it in with them? Are they, do they understand the the breadth of this rivalry or is this just going to be uh, another game for them? Some of these games have been uh, pretty spicy, you know, some teams going at each other and you could tell that there's some animosity. So it's possible that they bring it in, but we've also seen some games that are uh, leave a lot to be desired. So we'll, we'll see which version comes out. Uh, GBS was talking about uh, facing LAFC uh, without Vela. Uh, and uh, GBS said, uh, by the way, there was a press conference today. Uh, Larry Morgan, not on Twitter, was kind enough to uh, to to show up there. So that way I could uh, keep working and doing real work and making real money instead of the fake money I make at the podcast. Uh, he said, uh, this is what GBS said. He says, you have you you have to look at their their last game with Houston. They have good players. We need to look at the rest of the team. I know it's very unfortunate. Bella is not going to play, but they have other players like Rodriguez, Rossi, uh, Diamande. They have a really good team. We need to worry about LAFC, not just uh, no Vela on the pitch. Uh, you know, I think the most important thing now is to keep going forward. I don't stop because we lose. We need to keep building the team growing. We have a big opportunity Saturday night with LAFC to show what we can do. We can play. We can compete. We can beat LAFC. The opportunity it's there. That almost sounds like a little bit of fire from GBS. It certainly sounds like he was more clear than he was when he was sitting on the sidelines scratching his noggin for most of the game. Um, and he's he should rightfully be blasted for the way that I think he handled that game in terms of the substitutions, in terms of the perplex, perplexed looks on the sideline. Whether he was perplexed or not, he looked like it, That's, and that matters. Yeah, I think we should bring that up as well, because I've seen that argument. It's, uh, you know, well, Bruce, Bruce Arena, you know, had moments where he didn't look too enthused on the sidelines as well. Why are we ripping GBS for this? And I, I, I just think it's, it's what, it's what the appearance had and, uh, Guillermo Berescoloto given as much of the pedigree that he has, he didn't, he didn't have that coaching experience prior to when we started to see Bruce kind of fall off the rails a little bit to, for lack of a better term uh, on the sideline. So to have this a little bit earlier in his tenure and just the way the optics of it, I think spoke a lot. It's not, it's not body language doesn't tell you everything and we don't know what he was thinking and we don't know what he told the players in the locker room. He may have fired them up. He may have kicked chairs and thrown things around and, and gotten everyone fired up in the locker room, but the optics of it didn't give you that, that look that it's something that, that he did. And I think that was the concern. So, um, you know, people who are saying you shouldn't be judging body language. I, I understand body language isn't going to score you goals on the field, but at the same time, it tells a story. And if, if you're trying to make the narrative and that he's not on the hot seat, that that doesn't help his case. No canned laughter, uh, as I as I call it. No canned laughter for this game. It's on ESPN. So there will be no laugh track provided. There will be nobody hitting a boo button for some reason. For whatever reason, Thank you. and uh, <laughs> and as I rightfully said, I think. By the way, I think I'm so right on this now; it's ridiculous. I just like the rightness that I am getting from the 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 no, you know, sort of laugh track thing. I I I win as far as I'm concerned. You you can't. <laughs> you're you're lying to the fans whenever you you play this soundtrack back behind them. The 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 players aren't hearing it. They're not fired up by it. They don't hear the boos. They don't hear the cheers. There's no change of momentum because of the fans. The change of momentum comes from the players and the players only. Kevin told us the atmosphere is devoid of anything regard you know resembling a, a real soccer game. So any emotion that comes into this game understand it is brought on the field. It is carried. It is created. It is destroyed by the by the eleven players on the field and the people who are sitting on that bench, um, which to me 
tells a way different story than hearing, you know, some guy mix the booze into, by the way, that's the job. I really want that job, but that mix the booze in whenever Chicharito gets fouled in the box, you know, that's, that's a totally different thing. It is a skill and you want to give applaud it and give credit for what it is. And, and I apologize if I'm being repetitive because I feel like we've had this conversation. So I don't know if it's through the text thread, through a group chat, or well, I've actually on record as saying it, but the biggest issue that I have with the canned noise is the level of which they play it uh, on Fox. It's almost drowning out the commentators. Uh, if you're going to have background noise to make it feel like soccer, keep it at a dull roar, but also allow us to hear what the players are saying. Uh, when you put it so loud that you can't hear what the commentators are saying, you don't hear what, what the players are saying on the field, then then you're basically just listening to a white noise machine. And that's to me, that's the frustrating thing. Have it on as a dull roar to give a little bit of familiarity, but my, make sure those players are mic'd up. And, and we're not afraid of a little, uh, you know, a swear word here and there. It's what makes it great. So it makes it fun. Uh, you know, let that happen. And I'm, I'm glad that, uh, this game won't be on Fox and we will get to see the actual audio with ESPN because this game in particular, I am really curious to hear that on the field interaction and, and see how it goes for the galaxy and LAFC. Imagine if you could have heard what Zlatan said to Carlos Vela, the very first time those two oh. came up against each other. <laughs> Imagine, I mean, we all know what he said, but imagine <laughs> hearing hearing it word for word. And then, you know, Eric, yeah. if I know you, making it your ringtone for the rest of your life. Yep, I mean, absolutely. Those, those, right? <laughs> so, I mean, you could say that. You know, Zlatan was probably like, have you seen my carrot? It's about this big. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what he said. I'm, I'm almost 100% as it goes. Family uh, show. And Clush, it is a family show. It's, we're talking about carrots so and edit, nutritious. If, yeah. if I had to <laughs> edit my game preview, you have to edit yourself. <laughs> go love yourself i thought that was a good yeah, go reference I, I think people are going to enjoy that um anyway uh let's talk a little bit uh, or hear a little bit from sasha question um and they were talking about uh you know will it feel like a rivalry game he goes i don't know yet because right now we're preparing for the game and we'll see what it's like on saturday night weather conditions play a lot into these games down there obviously the game has been a bit slower than usual the distance covered in the games has not been as high as usual dealing with the heat and humidity so rivalry games are huge for the fans as well and not having fans here will take a little bit of the atmosphere out of the game but i don't think the fire or the desire of the players will be at a lower level than usual when you know you're playing a, a derby game you're playing your big rival you have to give everything you have and even a little bit more i know we have galaxy fans at home and they'll be supporting and watching us during the game and cheering us on from home. i'm excited to play in my first rb game it'll be a little bit sweet a little bit weird down here in orlando but it is what it is and we're all trying to make the best of it right now sasha question continues to be a talisman for for rational and engaging thought around the LA Galaxy. If you want to know what's going on with the LA Galaxy, ask Sasha question. He will tell you exactly what's going on, and he does it probably better than any other player um, in that locker room right now. Yeah. When I when I did my grading the Galaxy piece, he received four stars uh, right up there with Cameron Dunbar. And you may think, well, Sasha Kleshin, is he really you know working at that same level like a Pavone or like uh, you know someone like Dunbar who had a breakout game essentially? Uh, and I think he is. He, he brings a veteran presence and a calmness and those statements. He's someone who's been in Derby games and MLS. He's someone who's played in Europe. He understands what rivalry games mean. And so he know if, and this is back to the, the GBS body language thing. Even if Sasha question doesn't mean any of it, he knows the right things to say and he knows how to make it look professional. So he he's at least, 
he's at least putting the right message and the right optics out there. He knows what to say. And, and so I, I personally believe that he, he's genuine when he's saying that and he's going to know what it means. And I think he's going to, uh, he knows being a local boy, he's going to bring a little extra fire to this game in that lineup. I think he'll bring that. Uh, so, so I believe him when he says it, but that just, I'm just making the point that, you know, you have to know and say the right things. And, and he does that across the board, both on the field uh, that he showed with his play on Monday, one of the better performers, and then off the field with the things that he's saying. Uh, to me, he's like a de facto captain outside of Chicharito and, and Jonathan Dos Santos. Yeah, he should be captain right now. I would have no issues with that. Um, you know, again, uh, I always thought it was interesting. We talked about it on Monday. Cameron Dunbar, 17. Sasha Kleshton, 34. Sasha Kleshton is exactly twice as old as Cameron Dunbar, which is so much fun to think about. All right. Uh, let's see. I was going to say Joe Corona says, um, you know, regarding LAFC, because I feel like uh, like especially in a by the way, Joe Corona available for this game because his two yellow cards that he got in the Vancouver game, which resulted in a red card now means that he will be available. So uh, that coming up, Joe Corona, expect him to play because he didn't play at all. Expect him to go 90 minutes because GBS doesn't know how to use subs. Uh, I, he goes, I feel like, especially in a derby, like fans play such a huge role. They're so important because that rivalry is huge. The week going into that game, it's so big, not only for us, but for the fans. It's a very different atmosphere right now going into this game, but I know the importance of it and we have to win. Um, and they talked about, you know, preparations, you know, change without Vela, the type of thing he says, I think preparation is the same. It's a very important game for us, especially now that we are obligated to win no matter what. I think we're focused the same way. We're training the same way because we know they're a good team. Mr. Eric, the Portuguese hammer. I didn't, we didn't talk about this because we scrambled to get the show on tonight, but do you have 538 in front of you? I do have, you know, I'm always going to bring 538. I, if, if I didn't, I'm going to bring know. you a game preview and I'm going to bring you 538. If I'm good for nothing okay. else, I'm good for those two things. So uh, LAFC has a 57% chance to win the game. Uh, the LA Galaxy had a 25% chance to ga- win and then an 18% chance for a draw. So heavy, heavy favorites. If you look at the MLS slate on 538, LAFC, I believe this is the second highest favored percentage to win of the games coming up in the next couple days. So heavy, heavy favorites going into Saturday. Uh, so, you know, you may want to duck and cover. It could get out of hand uh, if, if the Galaxy don't get off on the right foot. Uh, I was going to say probably one of the other heavy favorites was Atlanta United facing off against FC Cincinnati. So that's what <laughs> that's, I say that's, to all of that's why you can things. go on the other uh, side. <laughs> that's what that's what. Hey, listen, if you're take if you're betting on this, which, by the way, don't bet on MLS. It's stupid and it makes no sense and there's no pattern. So don't don't do it. But if you are, this is a game you bet on. Furthermore. Furthermore, don't bet on MLS. Don't bet on the MLS's back tournament, especially. <laughs> if you're going to bet, definitely now is not the time. So uh, I'm with you there. But the one thing that I will point out, I think last season, um, before El Trafico away, the last, the second one, I think LAFC was like at a 80% chance to win, and the Galaxy ended up drawing that game, when they really should have won that game. So these percentages uh, – as often as 538 is correct, they've also had some big swings and misses as well. So don't let that deter you, uh, but go in uh, with your guards up, I would say. Basically, it just means in an alternate in alternate universes, LAFC is going to win, you know, 57 of the 100 games that get played in the alternate universe. But this universe right now, it's all messed up with coronavirus. And everything. You can't you can't. Yeah, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the odds are actually in the favor of the weird the weird ending. That's right. That's that's uh, maybe you could bet on that. All right, then Hammer, I want your prediction because I would like to pin you down so when you, when you're wrong, um, we can all laugh. All right. Uh, I, I said, I'm expecting a goal fest. 
I'm going to say three, three draw. I think they, they eke out a point. We have some 98th minute heroics, uh, you know, from Chicharito finishing off his hat trick three, three draw. All right. All right. Um, I, I've been really thinking that I, I really think there's a good possibility of two outcomes. Um, the first outcome. See, you can't is, pin me down and then go with two outcomes. Relax. I'll, I'll, I won't sit on the fence. I'm just going to tell you my thinking. All right. I'm going to go through this. Uh, uh, the zero zero draw to me just is meaty on this one, right? Because ML, the tournament has not had many draw, many zero zero draws. I don't know if there's been any zero zero draws, maybe one. Um, so, you know, that thing. Every game has been a goal fest between these two, so that's why I lean towards 0-0 draw. Uh, I think if it's not a 0-0 draw, which we'll probably know within the first seven minutes because I feel like somebody will score a goal, but if we, if we if it's not a 0-0 draw, um, then I think LAFC wins this game. Um, I don't see the LA Galaxy as carrying any sort of momentum uh, coming into this, despite the fact that they all said, you know, we shouldn't have lost and we played better than the score and blah, 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 blah. The stats kind of back them up, but at the same time, that was uninspiring and it wasn't fun. Um, I think this one could get really ugly if they're not careful, uh, if the LA Galaxy aren't careful. And without the fans uh, being interactive, you could see one team going down a whole bunch and not being able to scrape its way back out because there is no um, acceleration there for the fans and everything. And this is just a weird tournament at a weird time. Um, So it's not a real El Trafico. It's not a real rivalry yeah. game. There's no home team. There's no away team. There's all of these things that throw this into a weird thing. And you can read what the players are saying. They're saying, yeah, we know the fans will be there, but we're, it's going to be the same intensity. It's not. It's not going to be the same intensity. Um, and that's, it could be red card could, best. I, you know, I can see that as well, but it's not the same yeah. intensity. I think, I think I, I mentioned that a little bit earlier with the players maybe not knowing how to react without the atmosphere there. And I, I'm beginning to maybe move towards your side of the fence because when we look at uh, 538 and all these predictions, LAFC really should win these games on paper. Uh, but what the difference is, is once you get in the stadium atmosphere, the Galaxy fans and uh, the LAFC fans as well bring a different atmosphere and the players get up for those games. And I think the Galaxy, who maybe not maybe weren't there on paper, get up for those games and they bring something a little bit extra because of the game atmosphere. So without that there, they maybe don't get up for it and we see the result that's technically you know supposed to happen on paper, which would be a, a landslide victory from the other side. So I could see that happening as well. I'm just too optimistic to, to go on record to say that. Uh, I, I think it would be, um, again, it's just that this LA Galaxy team is more worried about trying to figure out how they're supposed to play right now, Eric, than they are about understanding, you know, what this rivalry is. And what you saw in Portland was a lot of individual play and not a lot of team. Uh, if you watch LAFC play, that's the exact opposite between LAFC and Houston. Those, that w- those were both team games. Now, LAFC has a horrible defense. Uh, I think their last last three games, they've averaged giving up three goals in each of the last three games well, that they played. Yeah. That's where I landed on 3-3. Three, three, la- they're, they're coming off back-to-back 3-3 three, three games against Philadelphia and against uh, Houston. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, so... however this ends up happening, um, it's going to be interesting. I don't think it says anything about the LA Galaxy. I don't think it's going to make some giant statement because I'm not sure we even know who the LA Galaxy are. And maybe that's going to be the story of this 2020 season is we don't know who the LA Galaxy are because Guillermo hasn't put a stamp on it. Uh, So more importantly than anything else, I want to see some chemistry. Uh, I want to see some passing. I want to see some runs. I want to see some understanding between players about where they're going to be whenever they finish runs and do all these things. And if they can do all that, 
if they can go and and make some steps positive in this way, then then there's a chance there. And again, a point here puts them in a better position to finish second or third um, in the group. Uh, zero points here really puts a, a strain on their ability to to go into the round of 16. So. Yeah, I, I I would push back on your statement that this might not tell us anything. I think this could be the game that shows us everything because I think if if they can't get up for this game, uh, if you can't fight, if you can't claw, if you're going to get beat, you're going to get beat. But I, I want to see them go down go down with their swords. You know, I, I want to see some fight, and if if they don't have it, they don't have it. But I want to see that that intensity and that 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 aggression there, knowing what it means. Uh, you know, we talked about it with, uh, with Marcelo and Junito, what it means to play for the galaxy and what it means to play in these rivalry games. You want to see that. And, and I, that that's all I'm hoping for. If the result doesn't go your way, that's fine. But if they go, go, go down on their sword or go down with their swords, excuse me, that might go, be a very different show. Uh, you know, then I think, uh, it, it could end up, uh, looking bad, but I, I just want to see some fight. All right. I think fight, I think fate is difficult to to gauge. Um, I think yeah, that exactly. you know, the the people who yell when you the see people him, who yell no yeah. no heart or stuff like that. I just I, that <laughs> bothers me more than like well they don't have any heart you know in the Portland game the Galaxy fought back. Do you that's what you expect from a team? You want a reaction? You got a reaction? Um, you know out of that it was probably too late because Guillermo doesn't like to use subs and he waited too long. But other than that, the theme of this show is Guillermo doesn't use subs correctly, and that's probably going to hurt him in this tournament as it's condensed and. Apparently, IFAB has extended the five sub rules all the way into 2021. So somebody better teach them how to use five subs because it's coming, and I'm not sure that the Galaxy are ready for that. All right. Uh, the LA Galaxy facing off against LAFC again, July 18th. That's this Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time on ESPN and ESPN Deportes. Uh, you can go watch it there. And I think that about does it. Eric, you got anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, I'm good. Okay. All right. Tell people where they can find you. We'll go. All right. You can find me on Twitter at GIS Hammer. You could also find me on Instagram at Galaxy Profile. That's Galaxy P-R-O-F-O-U-L. You could also follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash EVHammer9. I'll be streaming for Cosmo SC tomorrow night, which is Friday, July. Uh, I forgot the date. But tomorrow night uh, from this live show against CD Antonios, and you can check out the League of G information on cornerofthegalaxy.com. The 17th. 17th. All right. 17th. If you're looking for me on Twitter, uh, it's at Jay Gessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Larry Morgan's going to have an article I'm going to post after I get done with the show, so make sure you check that out. Between LA Galaxy and LAFC coming up on Saturday. All right. For Eric Portuguese Hammer, I'm Josh Pato Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo. And on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.